0: Well, Merry Christmas, if I'm not the first one that's had that chance to wish you that. Maybe the uh, person on Black Friday when you were shopping in their days said it to you. So I decided to talk about family today. And our, our Thanksgiving was a little bit different this time. And um, we, we have two older children. I don't, God's decided to empty our nest out quickly, which I am all excited about, um, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be fun. It's a new stage, um, it'll be great time. I will have less money going out of my pocket, hopefully. Um, but in the meantime, in a 10-month time frame, I'll have two kids that have gotten married. And that's pretty crazy. So if I'm starting a GoFundMe, <laughs> if you want to tap into that, you can. Um, but we are in the midst of just a lot of change. So it was a little bit of a quieter Thanksgiving. Um, my younger two are with me, my older two off with their future in-laws or current in-laws. And um, But we had a really, really great time. But I thought back on Thanksgiving Day to what I did when I was a kid. Um, saw some of the fun commercials up on the TV, and it just kind of got me thinking back a little bit. And I remember these horrible, horrible road trips. Now, we lived in Arlington, Texas, and we would travel to San Antonio every Thanksgiving and Christmas. And my cousins and their family would pick us up on the way. And if you can imagine a great big green 78 Pontiac Bonneville, all right, you kind of got it in mind? You remember those? Yeah, the back seat was huge. And for a little kid, it was even more big. God, I just remember that thing being mammoth. And we would ride in the back seat with my two cousins who didn't travel real well, car sick every time, all day long, the entire time, six hours straight. And the first time it happened, I was like, Mom, really? Do we have to go with them again? Do we have to travel? Yes. So we'd be back there playing with our army men, doing the thing that the boys would do, because it was just all boys in the back seat. And then all of a sudden, here we go. And everything was happening in the back seat that would normally happen on the car trips when they would get sick. And then we would make it to grandparents finally. We would have so much fun. We tormented my grandmother to death. We used to find all of her candles, and we would melt them down as much as we could, and then we'd all stick our hands in them. And we would get these giant wax fingers that we would pull off, and we would just leave them all over the house for. And as I look back and I think about what Thanksgivings were like then, they were fun. They were a good time. And I've thought about my own household and the stuff that went on there, and they were fun too. But for some of us, boy, we look at our family and we go, seriously? Seriously? And y'all may be at the stage where you get them all together and you hear the bickering and the fighting and you hear everything else that's going on and we just scratch our head and we got, God, I've got to do this again in four more weeks. <laughs> Christmas is coming and are we going to have fun? And I hope that you do. I hope that you have a good time. But you know what? Family is not perfect, is it? And there's not a single person I know of in my family growing up that was absolutely perfect. Me and my brother never got along. In fact, I remember one day we were driving down the road on one of those Thanksgiving trips in the 78 Bonneville and we're trucking on down and we're almost to San Antonio and some country song comes on and my brother decided, I'm going to be country. Now, you would think everybody who is in Texas is country. I've never owned a pair of boots and I've never had a cowboy hat and I grew up there and spent 20 years there and I know that's amazing. Um, one day, maybe I'll get back to my roots and do that. But my brother all of a sudden decided that he was going to be Texan all the way to the hill. Yeah, buddy. All right. And that was what he started saying. And, um, in fact, I remember the uh, song. Y'all guys know Eddie Rabbit? Yeah, I'm driving my wife away looking for another day. His version of it was, oh, I'm driving my wife away looking for a microwave. Um, He didn't quite understand the words. But we had a good time with it, and we laughed. But yet family... How we butted heads so often, and me and my brother did that all the way through until um, I realized I wasn't going to get the opportunity to butt heads with him anymore. He passed away when I was 30 and he was 28, and so that was one of those things that you think back and you reflect on, and family becomes important in so many ways, but at the same time, family can be such a huge struggle. And so today, when, when Pastor Steve asked me, he said, what are you going to speak on? I said, well, I said, I want to speak on family. I want to talk about it because... That's something we can all relate to. You and I can both relate to family. And I want you to think about it in perspective of your role in the family right now, whether you're a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, or a mom and dad, whatever it is that you might be, okay? So kind of wrap that around your brain. Get in there. And then I also want you to consider it in light of the larger church family this morning too, all right? Because we are a family as well. And God laid out this awesome blueprint that I'm going to show you here in just a little bit. And we're going to look at Mary and Joseph, and we're going to kind of talk about them. But I want you to listen to the statement that I'm getting ready to say to you. Every family needs stability in the midst of this crazy world, all right? We all need stability. And in light of that, all right, we're always evolving. We're always changing. We're always looking for that foundation, imperfect people are trying to navigate an imperfect world. And so I want you to cut yourself a little bit of slack. My wife and I were talking about this message a little bit last night. She was like, I think, flipping through some of my notes and stuff, and she was like, wow, I don't think we did it right. I was like, "Nah, I think we did pretty good. We have four kids that love God, and they keep seeking him in everything they're doing, even though they're not perfect. And as I think about that, not much else has changed. I started flipping through, and when we think about Christmas and we think about the nativity and we think about everything that you see in that, that picture up there, every home needs a stable foundation. Wasn't that a great play on words? I wish I could have come up with that on my own, but I didn't. It was already in a graphic, but I thought, you know what, that's awesome. Every home needs a stable foundation. As I thought about that, I thought about Mary and Joseph, and I went to the book of Matthew. And I don't know whether you've ever started. When you think about the Christmas story, you always think Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And you flip to Matthew and you start reading and you skip over that first chapter, don't you? Because it's the whole genealogy thing. And it was this person was related to this person was related to this person. But I thought about it in light of my message today. And I thought about the whole Christmas story. And I thought about what does family look like and how do we navigate that as a church? And as I looked at it, I thought I'm going to look at it a little different. And so I started looking at who Mary and Joseph were and what their family looked like. So let's grab a few of these people. You have Rebecca and Isaac. Re- Rebecca was stellar, wasn't she? She schemed against her husband, all right? Try to get a birthright going another way. And then you have Jacob's sons who were all guilty of selling out their brother into slavery. And then you trace down a little bit further and you find this lovely woman, Rahab, who was a prostitute. And you're thinking, wow, this is Jesus' family tree? Yeah, it was. Then you find David, the man after God's own heart, who had an affair. And so you start looking at it, and you're thinking, wow, this looks a lot like my Thanksgiving. (laughs) My family's not so perfect either, and that's okay, because if Jesus' family wasn't perfect, then that's all right. Then my family's not perfect. And we're all struggling together to get as stable as we possibly can in this crazy world of ours. And how do we achieve that and how do we get to that? And so as I kept going, I finally got to Mary and Joseph and I started flipping over to the book of Luke and I started reading through some of the other descriptions of what went on in their lives at that point. And I tried to kind of think about it from the perspective of who they were as young parents. Joseph got scared, didn't he? he was so ready just to bail on the whole entire thing. And I'm telling you, in light of the fact that I've I've got a daughter that just got engaged, if that young man had come and told me, I think I'm bailing. I was like, yeah, you and I are going back out behind the shed first, and then you can bail. I'd probably pounded him a few times and said, get your act together. But Joseph was scared. And honestly, he was, in his mind, trying to do the right thing. And Mary... I can't even imagine. Ladies, think back to where you were when you were in your, your late teens, because that's probably about where Mary was. Would you have been more scared to have found out that you were having a child and then you weren't married? And this isn't what the ideal family is supposed to be like, and all the stability that you as a woman would need would just be out the door. And You would have probably been going, wow, what is this? And how do we navigate this? And what are we going to do? And Joseph, are we going to be able to make it? Is, is this going to be something that the two of us can actually handle? And then you have, if you were going to compare birth stories, <laughs> theirs is pretty crazy, isn't it? Traveling on a donkey, not even making it to a hospital, not making it to a hotel, but making it to a stable. And yet that brings us to where we are today with this image and that every home needs a stable foundation. And what seemed like the most unlikely of circumstances ended up being one of the things that we would have treasured ourselves to be a part of, to know that you had the Christ child right there in front of you. Well, God knew that he didn't want them to do it alone. So here's where I really started thinking about the whole family situation. I looked at the story, and the angel came to Mary, and in Luke 2 we see this, that the angel came to visit her and said, I want you to go and see Elizabeth. She's in your family. She's going to have a child too. See what God did there? God brought another person along with her to experience this together with her. It wasn't just Mary on her own. Elizabeth is now walking alongside her husband, as well Zachariah is going to be there with her, they're going to be walking alongside Mary and Joseph through this whole entire experience. And you know what? I would have loved to have had somebody like that. I didn't really have that significant, I think, guy that walked alongside me and said, hey, this is what this is going to be like, you know? Your first couple of years of marriage, this is what's going to be like having a child. Um, and yet Mary and Joseph also... And I love this part, too, as I started reading and really thinking through it. They were part of a larger church family. Who did God send? He sent the shepherds to him. He sent wise men to him. He sent all these people that were a part of the family of God to surround them on that first. And they weren't all there immediately at that one night, sometimes the way we get our nativity scene. But God even staggered it a little bit sent the wise men a little bit later to come in and be there for them and just kind of keep reminding them and shoring them up of who it was that they were raising and what their jobs were as parents. And then I can imagine, and I'm going to share a really great verse with you here in just a little bit, but I could imagine that Mary and Joseph were now leaning on everything that they had learned, everything that they had seen modeled by their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, they were going back to all the scriptures that had been recited to them, all the important stories, all things that were coming on. They were leaning on everything they could possibly have at that point. And so we see this blueprint starting to kind of come together for them. Even to the point we fast forward, and I laugh about this story all the time because I think Jesus was probably more like a typical young preteen than we ever realized. Mary and Joseph had gone to... Celebrate the Passover, they're hanging out, and all of a sudden, Jesus is gone, right? He disappears. I don't know how many times that happens every week up here in B45, okay? Parents come up, and they're like, hey, I'm here to get my kid. And I was like, yeah, they went down that stairwell, and they went to go find you. Um, And we keep close tabs on them. We always kind of know where they're at, and I have spotters all over the building that are constantly keeping up with them. But Jesus had slipped off. And where did he go? He went to go hang out with the church family. He went to go learn from them. And one important verse that I want you to see, and we're actually basing our entire children's ministry around this, Luke 2.52, I think you all guys may have that. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Mary and Joseph were getting it right, weren't they? They were getting it right. They may have been scratching their heads a whole lot. They may have been really perplexed. And they may have thought, you know what, I'm not the perfect parent in the whole world. But that's okay because Jesus, at this point in his life, at about the age 12, that Scripture tells us that in Jesus he grew in wisdom. Now, you would have think that he would have already been all-knowing. And he was. He was Jesus. But who did he learn from first? People at the temple weren't there when he was born. They didn't hang out with him while he was learning to hold his own spoon and learning to take steps, and learning to do all those things that important things that parents do, and modeling what a godly relationship would look like, and having that family around him that would impart wisdom to them, and then making the regular visits to the temple. It wasn't the first time he ever went to the temple. He had been there many times. And so you and I, this morning, when it comes to creating a stable family, we all have a part in it, okay? And so that's why I asked you initially to kind of think about what your role is. Now, we're not perfect. We're all striving to be that way. I realized real quick as a young parent that I wasn't going to be perfect. My wife and I were in college. We were probably at that point, let's see, um, 22, 23 years old. So I was still trying to go to school. I was working a bank job during the day. I was a part time youth minister on the weekends. And we have Blake. Now, if you could imagine why I had so much confidence in the story that I'm getting ready to tell you, Blake almost came out as a man child. He was like nine pounds something. All right. And very quickly he just kinda kept growing. I expected any day he was just gonna stand up and, you know, start talking. Um he was he was a big kid. <laughs> I was exhausted. And so one particular night I remember Lori nudged me. We had put his bassinet over on one side of the bed. And she said, Would you get him? And I said, Yeah, 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 I got this. <laughs> I I decided I wasn't gonna sit up. I could do this laying in bed. So I reach over, roll over to go grab him, and I'm gonna roll back over. And all of a sudden Lori starts screaming, What are you doing? And I'm shooting up out of bed, and I look, and I had grabbed him by his neck. (laughs) And I was handing him over. And I can't tell you how many more times I made stupid mistakes like that as a parent. I was so far from perfect. The first time that he didn't see me necessarily handling a relationship at church the best way, even though I was a minister. Maybe getting mad because I was working on the car, and it didn't quite work out the way I'd wanted it to. All those different slip-ups. I wasn't perfect. His mom wasn't perfect. Neither one of us were. And as we kept going on and we had more children, none of the siblings were perfect. And we kept going through and they wondered why sometimes we protected them from certain relationships and then pushed others. It's because we were trying to put that godly influence in their life. We wanted them to to be there and to be connected to who they needed to be connected to. And church became an extremely important part of our foundation because we didn't have family close by to us. We still don't. Everybody said, hey, did you travel for the holidays? No, we don't normally do that. We find other times when it's not such as quick a trip. closest family I have is in Missouri, and then the next stop would be Anchorage, Alaska. So you can imagine, we just don't pick up and just go. Um, And when you have four children... Booking plane flights isn't the cheapest thing in the whole world. So we said, hey, y'all are always welcome to come to us, but we just kind of roll with it and we make family where we're at. And you know who became our most important family? Y'all. The church. Every church I served in became the most important family to me. And I would also try to find important people to be a part of my kids' lives, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Holly and I and the rest of the church staff had discussions, and And we're kind of molding our children's ministry to go in a little bit of a different approach than what we would typically have done in the past. And I wanted to kind of bring you all up to speed this morning. And I thought that would be important for me to do as we talked about this because every home needs a stable foundation. And that's honestly what we're trying to accomplish. We are trying to help make that happen right here at First Baptist. And so we're doing a number of things that I wanted to tell you about but I wanted you to go back for just a minute because I mentioned a while ago that Mary and Joseph were parents that had to lean on their own upraising. They had to lean on what was modeled to them, what was taught to them. And so I want to go to a really important set of verses that we're emphasizing with moms and dads right now, and I want you to keep this in perspective still. Remember, I asked you to think about this this morning in relationship to where you are in the role of your own family right now. Grandparents, uncle, aunt, parents, okay, and even a part of the bigger church family. We're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Extremely important. This is what Mary and Joseph would have leaned on. These words came from Moses. They had come out of Egypt. They were getting ready to go in and be a part of the land of Israel. And all these rules and different things were coming at them but he wanted to stress to them that the family unit was so important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. As it it goes on after that, he shares with them, do this. The ones that I give you today, impress them on your hearts. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You walk through my house now, it always has been. There's all kinds of scriptures up all over. I don't know if the kids ever pay attention to them or not. I see them occasionally, so I can't help but think that they must have. They would see their mom and I, in a difficult challenge, stop and pray together. They would see us talk with important friends for support, for encouragement. They would see us always, no matter how hard even the road got, and it wasn't always easy even just being at church and being on staff, but no matter how hard it got, church was always the most important thing. And even to this point, still stressing that to be a part of their lives. Why? Because I knew And I still know today, and this is what I see in God's word is I'm just gaining huge understandings being in this children's ministry role here of how important it is that we follow what God laid out. And right here he did it. Nowhere does it say, moms and dads, grandparents, will you please go drop your kids off at the children's ministry and leave them there because we've got some college-trained people and they're going to guide your child spiritually and one day they'll graduate. And they'll know God and they'll follow him. That's not what it says. It says right here that moms and dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, okay, we are supposed to be connected in this. It is our job to daily show our kids this, and we show them the bigger story of redemption. We show them imperfect people. We show them grace. We show them forgiveness. And we teach them the bigger story of Christ. And we lead them to the point that they can come to know Christ but we also keep showing them this imperfect world and just who we are. And so as much as you want to be perfect in this, and you think that sometimes, like I think, because I'm a fixer, and I'm the guy that's got to get it done somehow. I don't know how many more of you are out there in the room, but I've got a feeling there's probably many. I always think that I've got to be the perfect parent, and I've got to figure it out, and it's up to me. And honestly, God just says, just keep showing them me. That stable foundation, I thought about it too. Mary and Joseph, they were really the only ones that could say that they were building their family on a stable foundation. It was really weird because it was their own son. Now how mixed up is that as a parent? (laughs) That the child is the stability and is the foundation of what you're doing. And yet because of what Christ did for you and I, we're able to keep moving on. It takes a village And we are that village to raise these children. We've heard that phrase many, many times. I love baby dedication days because when I see them up here, one of the things that I think about and I consider is, what's the next thing that we're going to celebrate? We're going to celebrate their baptism, right? We can't wait to see these little guys that are up here being held and parents are dedicating and committing them and we're committing to walk alongside them and then we're going to celebrate that baptism, and then we're going to celebrate them coming of age and growing up and graduating, and we have them come up here in their caps and gowns. And we clap and we applaud and say, good job, and we hope that it goes well for you. But that's where you right here, especially those that I'm looking at in this room today, we have such a huge impression that we need to leave on all of these kids. One of the things that I did and one of the things that I see that's important is Holly and I are kind of shaping this family ministry. Is that first of all, we needed to make sure the parents understood the whole Deuteronomy 6 thing. We've touched on that now. We've talked about it. We're putting together even a pilot group right now. There's several that I'm looking around the room that are a part of this group with me. And we're walking alongside families for six months to help them figure out how to live out Deuteronomy 6. And we're learning from them. We're making a lot of notes. We're seeing what works and what doesn't work. And we know that it's going to be particular to each and every family, which is awesome. But we're hoping to gain knowledge that we can bring back to the larger family. The other thing that's extremely important is y'all. No matter where I've lived or what we've done, God, and I didn't squelch it and I didn't stop it, but God put an important person in every one of my kids' lives. I vetted it to make sure it was safe. I wanted to know what that person was going to be talking about and investing, but every one of them is extremely important. Just recently, that person came into my youngest son's life for these teen years, which are important to me because I know a lot of shaping is being done. And I pulled this college student together one day, and he was getting ready to leave, and I said, hey, come here. Grant had already walked out the door, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm allowing you to be a part of my son's life. But I need you to lead him spiritually. I need you to give him positive things. I need you to say good things. And I'm not with you all the time. And I don't know who you are day in and day out. And I don't expect you to be perfect. But will you keep showing him God? And will you keep leading him in that way? And that's what I'm asking you all to be. There's a lot of young families in this church. We have probably well over 150 kids that are down part of our our children's ministries every week. And here's one of the things that I'm asking that I need your help with, that I want you to be a part of. We started a campaign a few weeks ago, and that's not what this whole sermon's about, but I thought it couldn't be a more perfect day. I'll be one. I'll be one what? I will be an assistant to a small group leader. I don't even want you all guys to take the lead role. I don't want you to come down and be responsible for teaching a Sunday school lesson and have to prepare ahead of time. And I don't want you to have to fill a a commitment for a whole entire year. I'm not asking you to pick an hour and to be down there all the time. Here's what we laid out. Holly and I came up with this and we said, we want you to join some of our small group leaders downstairs and I will give one hour, one Sunday, one time a year. That's a pretty simple ask. One hour, one Sunday, one time a year. What do we want you to do that for? Because I want you to see what we're teaching down there. I want you to see how we're connecting with families. I want you to see the other really cool things that we're providing and putting in the hands of moms and dads every week. But more importantly, every mom and dad in this church needs that significant other in their child's life. Because guess what? They don't always listen to us, do they? (laughs) But it's amazing how that someone else can walk alongside them and say the exact same thing in just a little bit of a different way. And they get it. They hear it. And all of a sudden, they start applying it. And all I have to do is sit back and just go, Thank you, Jesus, that that happened. Family's messy. Some of you guys are, are here visiting still with family and some of you have got to go back to your jobs or you've got to go back to a family experience that's not the greatest in the world. Some of you here today are, are just, the holidays are hard, they're a rough time. And to have a stable foundation, first of all, starts with your heart right here. And just a little bit, we're going to be singing and and I'm going to be sharing with you and giving you the opportunity to come forward and receive Christ. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope that you will ask Him to come into your heart today because what you're seeing on the screen can't happen until you say that prayer. He can be there, and we can put Him in our homes this season with this precious little nativity scene, but guess what? He's not your stable environment if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And then the next thing that I want to ask you to do is maybe some of you as parents and grandparents, maybe this morning you just want to come down here and just lift up your family. Maybe you don't do that very often. Maybe you just don't stop to pray for them. And maybe you want to mention even just one of them by name today. And that's great if you would do that and just spend that time just lifting them up. And maybe today you want to just swing by up here at the stage before you leave this morning and you just want to grab one of these cards and just say, you know, I'm I'm not just wanting to fill a spot or a need that might be in the children's ministry because I got to be honest with you, I have all those filled. We're good. What I need are significant others. I need people that are going to come down and connect with the kids just one Sunday, but then you take it a step further. You come alongside a family and say, "Hey, could I come hang out with y'all? Could I come to one of your kids' sporting events? Could I spend some time with Johnny or with Susie? I would love to invest in them and be a support to your family when you need it. I want to be that significant other. Let's pray together. If you Bow your heads. Close your eyes. And today, maybe this Thanksgiving, this biggest gift in the whole world that you could be thankful for in having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that. You've sat in church a million times. You've heard the story. But you've never actually asked him into your heart. And so this morning I want to ask you just to do that with me. And to lay your sins down and let him just take them from you. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of those sins. Come into my life right now. I want to give you first place. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Be the stable part of my life and my family. In your name I pray, amen.